0: Chapter ten of Hushed Up by William Lequeux. This Librebox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss Chapter ten Contains a Further Surprise It was nearly one o'clock, and the sun was high as I walked beneath the dingy brick walls which separate each short garden from the pavement. In some gardens were stunted trees blackened by the London smoke while the houses were mostly large and comfortable, for it is still considered a genteel if somewhat decayed neighborhood. Before that house of horror I paused for a moment. The dingy blinds of yellow holland were drawn at each of the soot-grimed windows, blackened by age and dirt. The garden was weedy and neglected, for the grass grew high on the patch of lawn, and the dead leaves of the tulips and daffodils of spring had not been removed. The whole place presented a sadly neglected sorry appearance, a state of uncared-for disorder which in the darkness of night I had, of course, not noticed. As I looked within the garden I saw, lying behind the wall, an old weather-beaten notice board which bore the words, to be let, furnished, and giving the name of a well-known firm of estate agents in Pall Mall. The house next door was smart and well-kept, therefore I resolved to make inquiry there. Of the tall, thin, old man-servant who answered my ring, I inquired the name of the occupant of Althorpe House. "'Well, sir,' he replied, "'there hasn't been an occupant since I've been in service here, and that's ten years last March. An old lady lived there, I've heard, a rather eccentric old lady. They've tried to let it furnished, but nobody has taken it.' It is said that the old lady left instructions in her will that the furniture was to be left just as it was for twenty years after her death. I expect the place must be fine and dirty. An old woman goes there once every six weeks or so, I believe, just to open the doors and let in a little air, but it's never cleaned. And nobody has been over it, with a view to rending it? "'Not to my knowledge, sir. There's never been anybody going in or out, eh?' "'Well, I've never seen them, sir,' was the man's reply. "'But there have been people coming and going, have there not?' The man hesitated for a moment, apparently slightly puzzled at my question. "'Well, sir, to tell the truth, there's been a very funny story about lately. It is said that some of the old woman's relatives have returned, and they've been seen going in and out, but always in the middle of the night. "'What sort of people?' I asked quickly. "'Oh!' Two men and a woman, so they say. But, of course, I've never seen anybody. I've asked the constables on night duty, and they've never seen anyone, or they would no doubt have reported it.' "'Then who has seen them?' "'I really don't know. I heard the gossip over in the Royal Oak. How it originated, or whether it had any foundation, in fact, I can't find out.' "'I see the board has fallen down.' "'Yes, that's been down for a couple of months or more.' blown down by the wind i suppose you haven't heard cabs stopping outside at night for instance no sir i sleep at the back and should therefore not hear i could see that he was a little uncertain as to the reason of my inquiries therefore i made an excuse that having been struck by the appearance of the house so long neglected my curiosity had been aroused you've never heard of cabs stopping there at night i asked a few moments later "'Well, this morning the cook, who sleeps upstairs in front, funnily enough, told me a curious story of how in the night a taxi stopped and a gentleman got out and entered the house. A few minutes later another man came forth from the house, paid the taxi driver, and he moved off. "'But,' laughed the man's servant, "'I fancy Cook had been dreaming. I'm going to ask the constable when he comes on duty tonight if he saw any strangers here.' I smiled the man whom the cook saw had evidently been myself. Then, after a further chat, I pressed half a crown into his ready palm and left. My next visit was to the estate agents at Pall Mall, where, presenting myself as a possible tenant, the clerk at whose table I had taken a seat said, Well, sir, Althorpe House is in such a bad, neglected state that we do not nowadays send clients to view it old mrs carpenter died some thirteen years ago and according to her will the place had to be left undisturbed and let furnished the solicitors placed it in our hands but the property until the twenty years have elapsed is quite untenable the whole place has now gone to rack and ruin we have a number of other furnished houses which i will be most delighted to give you orders to view in pretense that i wanted a house i allowed him to select three for me and while doing so learnt some further particulars regarding the dark house in Porchester Terrace. As far as he knew, the story of Mrs. Carpenter's relatives taking secret possession was a myth. The caretaker had been withdrawn two years ago, and the place simply locked up and left. If burglars broke in there was nothing of value for them to take, he added. Thus, the result of my inquiries went to confirm my suspicion that the ingenious pair of malefactors had taken possession of the place temporarily in order to pursue their nefarious plans. There was a garden at the rear; might it not also be the grave wherein the bodies of their innocent victims were interred that afternoon at four? I met Jack Marlowe and White's, and as we sat in our big armchairs gazing through the windows out into the sunshine of St. James Street. I asked him whether he would be prepared to accompany me upon an adventurous visit to a house in Bayswater. The long-legged, clean-shaven, clean-limbed fellow with the fairish hair and merry gray eyes looked askance for a moment, and then inquired, What's up, old man? What's the game? He was always eager for an adventure, I knew. Well, the fact is, I want to look around the house in Porchester Terrace, that's all. I want to search the garden when nobody's about. Why? In order to satisfy myself about something. Become an amateur detective, eh, Owen? Well, my curiosity has certainly been aroused, and I intend to go to the house late tonight and look round the garden. Will you come? He was one of the best of good fellows, overflowing with good-humour and good-nature. His face seemed to wear a perpetual smile of contentment. Of course, but tell me more, he asked. I will, afterwards i said let's dine together somewhere and turn in at the empire afterwards we don't want to get to bayswater before midnight as we mustn't be seen don't dress i'll bring an electric torch i've got one too i'll bring mine also he replied at once entering into the spirit of the adventure only you might tell me what's in the window and he added i'll tell you afterwards old chap i promised and then we separated agreeing to meet at eight at a well-known restaurant which we often patronized that night when the curtain fell at the empire we both went forth and strolled along to st james street to get a drink at the club the later we went forth on our nocturnal inquiry the better i recollected that look of terror and astonishment on forbes countenance when his gaze had met mine outside the bank a look which showed that he had believed me to be safely out of the way he had never dreamed I was still alive. Hence it seemed to me certain that the pair of malefactors, having secured the money, would at once make themselves scarce. How, I wondered, could they have known of Jack Marlowe, unless they had watched us both in secret, as seemed most likely. That they would not return again to that house of horror in Bayswater seemed certain. Towards one o'clock we took a taxi off the stand outside White's, and drove to Porchester Terrace, alighting some distance from our destination. We passed the constable strolling slowly in the opposite direction, and when at last we gained the rusty iron gate, we both slipped inside, quietly and unobserved. The street lamp in the vicinity lit up the front of the dingy house, therefore fearing observation from any of the servants next door. We moved noiselessly in the shadow of the bushes along the side of the premises, past the small conservatory many panes of glass of which were broken and so into the darkness of the small black garden which seemed knee-deep in grass and weeds and which from its position hemmed in by blank walls could not be overlooked save from the house itself all was silence the scene was weird in the extreme in the distance could be heard the faint hum of the never-ceasing traffic of london "'Above showed the dark windows of that grim old place "'wherein I had so nearly lost my life. "'I want to examine this garden thoroughly,' I whispered to Jack, "'and then I switched on my torch and showed a light around. "'A tangle of weeds and undergrowth was revealed, "'a tangle so great that to penetrate it without the use of a bill-hook "'appeared impossible. "'Still we went forward examining everywhere with our powerful electric lights.' "'What will the people say?' laughed Jack. "'They'll take us for burglars, old chap.' "'The place is empty,' I replied. "'Our only fear is of the police. To them we would be compelled to make an explanation, and that's just what I don't want to do.' For some time we carefully searched, conversing only in whispers. My hands were scratched and stung by nettles, and Jack had his coat badly torn by thorns. The garden had been allowed to run wild for all the years since old Mrs. Carpenter's death and the two ash-trees had spread until their thick branches overshadowed a large portion of the ground. Beneath one of these trees I suddenly halted as an ejaculation escaped me. Near the trunk, and in such a position that it would not be seen even from the window of the house, yawned a hole, and at its side a mound of newly dug earth. Ah! I cried, this is what I've been in search of. The discovery revealed a ghastly truth i shuddered at the sight of it what that hole asked jack in a low voice as we approached and peered into it i judged it to be about three feet or so in depth what a funny thing to search for that hole jack was intended for a man's grave i whispered hoarsely and the man intended was myself you he gasped what do you mean owen i mean that that grave yonder was dug in order to conceal my dead body was my low-meaning answer, and I fear, fear very much, that the remains of others who have met with foul play have been concealed here.' "'You mean that murder was actually intended?' he exclaimed in astonishment. "'When?' "'Last night. I was entrapped here and narrowly escaped. How? Tell me all about it,' he urged. "'Later on, not here,' I said. "'Let us see if there is any further evidence of recent digging.' and together we examined the ground beneath the second tree. Presently Jack, in the course of searching about, came to a spot where the ground seemed perceptibly softer. My stick sank in while in other parts the ground seemed hard. Beneath the trees the weeds and grass grew thinly, and I presumed that the miscreants could work there under the canopy of leaves without fear of observation. I bent down and carefully examined the surface, which, for about four feet square, bore plain traces of having recently been moved something had evidently been interred there yet tiny fresh blades of green were just springing up as though grass seed had been sprinkled over in order to obliterate traces of the recent excavation what do you think of it i inquired of my companion well perhaps somebody has really been buried here eh he said don't you think you ought to go and tell the police at once i was silent in bewilderment "'My own opinion is, Owen, that if a serious attempt has been made upon you, and you really suspect that that hole yonder was prepared to receive you, then it is your duty to tell the police. Others may fall into the trap,' Jack added. "'Not here,' I said. "'The assassins will not return, never fear. They know of their failure in my case, and by this time they are in all probability out of the country.' but surely we ought to examine this spot and ascertain whether the remains of anyone is concealed here," exclaimed my old friend. Yet I still hesitated, hesitated because I feared that any exposure must implicate that sweet little girl who, though my friend, had so ingeniously escaped me. At the same moment, however, our ears both caught a slight movement among the tangled shrubs under the wall at the extreme end of the garden. Instantly we shut off our lamps, and stood motionless listening at first i believed it to be only the scrambling of a cat yet next second jack nudged my arm and straining my eyes i saw a dark figure moving stealthily along half crouching so as to be less conspicuous but moving slowly towards that side of the house which was the only exit fearing discovery there our examination being so thorough the intruder was slowly creeping off endeavoring to escape observation for an instant i remained motionless watching the dark crouching figure then drawing my revolver i made a dash straight in its direction End of chapter ten recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com